I'm not sure if you've heard, but Jesse Browns is having an in-person event on Thursday, October 14th at 6 o'clock. It's Storytellers Night at Jesse Browns, and one of our storytellers is going to join us on this segment of the Carolina Outdoors. Welcome, everyone. You got the two outdoorsmen right here, Bill Barty on that side, this side, and on that side. Wes Lawson. Bill, it's going to be a lot of fun talking to Woody Kinnett about his journey up and down 50, yes, 50 summits. We're going to find out about this. Part of the auspice of Storytellers Night, of course, is everyone has a story. Everyone has a story worth celebrating, and that's what this is going to be all about. We're going to be celebrating his. By day, he plays the part of a successful attorney at Essex Richards. In fact, he's one of the nation's most successful attorneys. Just a couple of months ago, he was awarded the John B. McMillan Service Award by the NC State Bar to go with other multiple awards that he's been given. Um, He's also uh, been judged. Wes, you've been judged before. Every day. Not not like Woody has. His wife, Jane Harper, is a retired state court judge. Mm. And uh, he's been doing this law thing for 45 years. But he's also been doing another thing, high-pointing. High-pointing, of course, is uh, going across a geographical area. In this case, the United States seeking out the highest point of all of the 50 states. We're going to bring him on right now. Woody Connett, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Listen, so we we just kind of did a list of your resume, uh, a, a quick list of your time in law, 45 years. But how did you get started in the outdoor pursuit of high pointing? That's a good question, and that actually predates my law days. Uh, I should tell you, I grew up in Wilmington back in the 60s, and just to date myself, I finished high school in 1970, and during that time period, Wilmington was actually shrinking, and all I wanted was to get out of town as soon as I finished school. And so the summer after I graduated from high school, I got a job working in the concession stand at Mount Mitchell State Park. And so as a result of that, Mount Mitchell was my first high point, and that was in days before I had never heard of such a thing as a high point. Well, and I I looked up highpointers.org, and it was founded in 1988 and has a following of well over uh, uh, 10,000 people. And there's a warning on there. Be prepared, plan ahead, and research each visit. Mount Mitchell, of course, you can access uh, fairly easily, especially as an employee, as a, a, a young man um, working at the state park. But this can be a very dangerous and strenuous activity because it includes some major mountains that require mountaineering skills, proper equipment, experience in, stre- in extreme weather, and more. Woody, tell us about a mountain like, I'll say, uh, Denali, Mount McKinley uh, in Alaska, or maybe, uh, you know, Mount Washington has the highest recorded wind gust of all time in the world. 231 miles per hour was recorded in 1934. Tell us about handling those types of mountains. Well, there are some dangerous ones out there, and I think the number one thing is that you need to 
uh, be very wary of the weather and be prepared for most anything. Uh, beyond that, it's important to know uh, what the conditions will be on the particular mountain. Uh, for me personally, you think about uh, Mount Washington that you mentioned or Denali, uh, the big one in Alaska, but uh, probably the diciest one for me was in Montana, uh, Granite Peak, which is uh, in relative terms not that high. It's only uh, less than 13,000 feet. I think it's 12,800 feet. But it's of all the 50 high points, it is the one – that has uh, technical rock climbing where you need to have rope belays for safety to get up and down. Uh, I got up the mountain with no problem, but on the way down, I I got a a severe case of dehydration. Uh, That was just me being mindless and foolish, but um, it ended up being fairly dangerous, and I kind of crawled into our base camp on all fours but made it home, and I'm able to talk about it today. Now, you know, dehydration is certainly one of those things we're always thinking about and, and encouraging people to try to avoid. But when did you realize that, you know, things were starting to go the wrong way when you were coming down that peak? <laughs> um, I'd say I was about 500 feet uh, down, uh, coming down. Uh, my water bottle was empty, and I started um, looking for uh, cracks in the rocks where some water might have accumulated from dripping ice. <laughs> That sounds pretty desperate to me when you're looking for cracks in the in the rocks. But so, you know, some of these mountains are pretty terrifying. Others, maybe a little less so. On the way over, Bill and I were discussing that Space Mountain has to be the tallest peak in Florida, <laughs> but I don't think it actually is. What was Florida like? Uh, Space Mountain probably is the highest point in, in Florida, but uh, in terms of the highest natural piece of ground. It is a place in the far uh, western panhandle, just a couple of miles south of the Alabama border. It's a place called Britton Hill, and it's a uh, basically a, a rest area on a two-lane road that uh, runs through that part of the country. There was a Woody, I'm going to jump in. I want to ask you uh, about this, kind of paralleling what Wes is asking and and talking about, you know, Granite Peak, a a peak that you need to plan for, prepare for. uh, Going out to Denali, you have to uh, plan for, prepare for. It's it's quite an adventure and venture to take on. But what about the ones where you just may be on a family vacation and have to say, you know what, 100 miles from here is the highest peak of this state. I'm going to cruise over there and knock that one off. Where, what is the dividing line for you in that type of pursuit? If I can um, knock a peak off <laughs> uh, without running into any technical difficulties with the climb itself in terms of needing ropes or uh, uh, technical skills, then uh, I'm happy to drive that extra 100 miles to to go see a new piece of dirt. Tell us some of the um, most memorable summits, if you will. We've got Granite Peak down because that was dicey, in your words. 
Are there some other ones that stick out because of the challenge or maybe because of the people that you met along the way or maybe the people who are joining you on that particular summit? I think you've, uh, you're highlighting some of the most important things that make a, a hike or a climb memorable. Um, probably in terms of uh, having good company, uh, one of the most memorable ones was uh, called Boundary Peak, which is on the boundary of Nevada and California. It's the highest point in Nevada. It's about 13,000 feet high. It's not particularly difficult. Uh, it's uh, open ground all the way up, loose rock, uh, no fall hazards or anything of the sort. But I went with two longtime friends, and uh, we talked all the way to the top. It was just constant chatter. It was a glorious day. And then of all things, on the way down, um, the only other people that we saw that entire day uh, was a couple from Winston-Salem who just happened to have gone to the same school as a couple of us had. So there was sort of a mini reunion out there in the wilderness. That's the kind of thing that makes a hike memorable to me. In terms of uh, sheer beauty, uh, that would be even harder. Um, golly, Baxter Peak in Maine is glorious. Mount Whitney in California comes to mind. Um, one that I just um, made my heart stir uh, is Iowa. Um, Iowa is, um, again, a, a relatively minor peak, uh, basically surrounded by cornfields in western Iowa, but it has just been so lovingly uh, enshrined by the surrounding community that it just made you feel good about um, being in a part of the country where uh, the folks who lived there were so proud of their place. We're being joined by Woody Connett here on the Carolina Outdoors. This segment's brought to you by Storytellers Night at Jesse Brown's. The next one is this Thursday, October 14th at 6 o'clock. Come hear A Neighbor's Adventure, where we have three 20-minute stories on hand, A Day Goodbye, The Gold, and 50 Summits by Woody Connett. He's here with us, Wes Lawson and Bill Barty, the outdoor guys from Jesse Brown's. So, Woody, thinking about some of your other places, you know, the Dakotas are the geographical center of North America, and we don't tend to think of them for some of the natural beauty they have. You know, certainly maybe the Badlands, we think about maybe uh, occasionally the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in the Black Hills or there went Teddy Roosevelt and things like that, Dances with Wolves, wasn't that out there? What was it like heading out to the Dakotas? I really enjoyed the Dakotas. Um, North Dakota in particular, um, again, it's one of those summits that is, is not that difficult. But to get there, you drive through hours of uh, grassland, of prairie, and you can imagine what it would have been like back when the buffalo roamed. It was the uh, Dakotas that you think of with uh, Teddy Roosevelt in the days when he lived out there. Uh, South Dakota is a little bit different because you have the Badlands, and whether you ever ride a motorcycle or go to Sturgis or not, uh, you owe it to yourself to go and check out the Badlands. It's just a gorgeous area, and uh, the peak there is called Black Elk Peak. 
It is very accessible, but again, is in some of the most beautiful country you can imagine. You know, so it's not just the story of you walking up steep trails and getting into the clouds. You mentioned being with friends and family. What about some of the characters along the way who you didn't intend to run into? They could be four-legged. They could be two-legged. Any any fun stories there? <laughs> um, I guess I was lucky. I did not run into any dangerous uh, uh, bipedal or quadrupedal people or animals along the way, but certainly um, met a lot of uh, real characters. I uh, was in the White Mountains of New Hampshire and ran into a couple of uh, backpackers who just happened to be from Bryson City. Uh, I met them on a hike uh, when I was up there probably six years ago. Uh, We're still in touch, and uh, if all goes well, I hope to be able to walk with them in the Smokies sometime this weekend. Now, Woody, under your belt, we're holding back a little bit because you have completed, in 1991, the Ironman World Triathlon over in Hawaii. You've also done more than 20 marathons um, along the way to go with these 50 peaks. Um, where does the being a high pointer, the 50 peaks under your belt, fall uh, in your other adventure uh, resume accomplishments? In terms of um, strenuousness or uh, skill or anything like that, doing the 50 peaks uh, is, is not uh, that overall difficult. What it is is a longer pursuit, if you will. It's uh, just a great opportunity to get out and see parts of the country that you um, have never seen before. And what I came away with was just this incredible um, appreciation for um, what a glorious country we live in. Really, until I had done this, I was like a lot of people who uh, spend most of their time in big cities, and you think of the middle of the country as just flyover. Uh, it's just a blur, but in fact, this kind of brings it out into high relief. That's what I appreciated. Uh, in the context of the Iron Man and things like that, the only parallels, I think, is just that sort of um, Walter Mitty streak that I've always had of going out and being um, interested in trying something new. Uh, uh, the Iron Man, I'd, I'd never heard of triathlons until I read about the Iron Man and Outside Magazine. It sounded interesting, so I sent off for some information and found out you had to qualify for it, but they had a lottery back in those days that you could use to get in. So I put my name in the lottery. It got drawn, and so first thing I had to do was go out and buy a bicycle. I didn't even have a bike when I got admitted to the Ironman. You know, so I I have to wonder, um, the high-pointing group, the high-pointers, is this a small competitive crowd is it a few of you who gather around in a in a dark pub and tell stories do you know other <laughs> folks what is, what is that community of people like it it's a very diverse group it is not competitive it ranges from uh, families with young children who are trying to do all 50 states as a family to uh, folks well into their 80s who are still after it uh, decades into this quest and uh, they have annual uh, conventions 
and the every year the convention starts with uh, a watermelon parade. That is, uh, whatever town they might be holding the convention in, they uh, everyone brings a watermelon, and you walk down Main Street carrying your watermelon to a public park where they slice them open and serve them to all comers. Uh, it's that kind of group. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I thought, but the watermelon parade was not was not on my radar. That's that's fascinating. So now, have you have you gone back and revisited any of these peaks, or is it a one and done on to the next kind of thing for you? While I was doing it, it was one and one one and done. But um, I would love to go back and revisit. And there's not a one of them uh, that I wouldn't go back to in a heartbeat i mean i'm i'm 69 now but if you said hey i'm interested in climbing denali in may you want to go i'm going to say heck yeah let's get started and i would spend the winter training and i'd be right there with you <laughs> would woody you know about state pride um whether it be north carolina or any state in the union um, so states celebrate their high points. Were there any states that were really unassuming? And I don't mean uh, lack of view, but just they didn't have a, 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 a marking or it was lesser than you may have expected? I think the most unassuming or the one that I was uh, the most uh, underwhelmed by was probably Kentucky. Uh, the high point in Kentucky is in eastern Kentucky near the western Virginia border. Uh, it's called Black Mountain. It's about 4,000 feet high. But the top is uh, barricaded off with chain-link fences and barbed wire <laughs> because there is a radio tower up there. Um, it, it's, it's just a shame. But that's uh, Kentucky until recently. <laughs> Uh, South Carolina had a similar setup with a communications tower uh, on top of Sassafras Mountain, but I understand that they're doing a lot of work now to try to uh, beautify and enhance that, that particular mountain. We don't want to get into necessarily worldwide germs and how it may have uh, impeded travel plans, but we know that you have an international spirit as well. You've knocked off these 50. You've done marathons. You've uh, done the Ironman. What's next in your adventure world? <laughs> if I could travel right now, there are two things I would be interested in. One is um, a long hike uh, through the Pyrenees but uh, along the border between France and Spain. You start on uh, the Atlantic coast in the uh, kind of uh, western corner of um, France in the Basque region, and you hike uh, about 500 miles south along the spine of the Pyrenees, and you end up at the Mediterranean. Uh, that's one I would love to do. And then I've heard good things about um, this region in uh, northern Norway, that in the summertime is uh, the weather is quite mild, uh, uh, great lush um, prairies, if you will, with uh, these incredible mountains and stone bluffs and fjords. Uh, I'd like to give that a try sometime. 
We're excited to have you at Storytellers Night at Jesse Brown's Thursday, October 14th, 6 p.m. Woody Connett, 50 Summits. Thank you so much for spending time with us here on the Carolina Outdoors. Thank you for having me. It's a real honor. Off he goes and off we go. Just for a moment, though, we're going to be back on the other side to wrap up this thing called the Carolina Outdoors.